everybody to Pastors with a Podcast. We are all pastors and we have a podcast, thus the name. <laughs> We're very creative around here. We're jumping back into Genesis. And so let me introduce or allow my colleagues to introduce themselves. I am Pastor Kelsey Tice from Emmanuel's Lutheran in Seguin. Pastor Megan Elliott from Spirit of Joy Lutheran in Seguin. I'm Father Stephen Shortis with St. Andrew's Episcopal Church in Seguin. And this is the tomato nose and guitar picking pastor from St. John <laughs> Lutheran in Marion, Paul Tice. <laughs> Nobody's going to eat your tomatoes anymore, Paul. <laughs> That's all right. I'd wash my hands in between pick pickings. So um, gosh, we're jumping back into uh, Genesis. We spent the whole um, of the last gathering. I, I don't really think we got past like the first four verses, if I remember correctly. Um, and... We're gonna we're gonna re reevaluate our our schedule, and we're just gonna keep going with where we left off because in Genesis one and two, uh, there's a lot of important um, information here, and there's things that need to be um, oh held up and compared to one another, um, and 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 seen in the light of each each reading, and so I think it'd be good to just. Um, keep plowing through uh, Genesis 1. Um, and, and as we spoke last time, and as we conversed, uh, we began with uh, chapter 1, and um, the earth was a formless void, darkness hovered over the face of the deep, and a wind from God swept over the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was, and God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness God called the light day and the darkness God called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Um, so I, I have a question for everyone out there because those familiar with Genesis 1, um, we know it's not until the fourth day of creation, according to Genesis 1, that the sun and the moon and the stars are created. So if on the very first day, there was light. My question is, where is the light coming from and what is it? Dun, dun, dun. Clearly, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was going to say, I think that's the first time in the history of Pastors with the Podcast that there was a, a pause not created by technical difficulties. <laughs> You didn't send us the questions ahead of time, Paul. <laughs> well, you know, I've been busy with all the pickings. <laughs> Those do take a lot of time. Um, I mean, I think it, it comes down to the image that we have in Revelation of there is no need for sun or moon or stars because Christ will be their light. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to read Jesus into the Old Testament because that gets complicated, but um, I think we can safely say that God is the source of the light, or maybe not safely say, I don't know, maybe it's dangerous to say. Well, and if we take, um, and again, not wanting to read Jesus into the, into the Hebrew scriptures, but 
um, if we take the introduction of John, um, in the beginning was, was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Um, all things were created, um, brought into being with him and, and, and him is the life and the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness shall not overcome it. Mm. Huge paraphrase there, but um, it relates the word which God is using to create um, as a part of creation um, as life and light. So there's, there's some possibility there as well. I'm still thinking. I'm sorry. I was, <laughs> was going to say, I guess this is where we need Andy to like come in with some type of deep um, historical and theological. Uh... Well, I mean, I think there's, you know, the sun, the moon and the stars, you know, those are things that we need to kind of, I don't know, amplify our experience as created beings, created things. And, you know, before we are actually created or in the story of creation, um, you know, maybe there's there's not really a need for those things for us to uh, kind of, you know, as the ancient Israelites did and other ancient peoples to orient ourselves in creation as if you are just there in the beginning or whenever we may return to you know, whatever heaven is or whatever the culmination of all things is, all we need is God. Um, that's my best effort to answer your question. And so I, I think it's one of those things that when I pose the question, my, my hope for people is to um, see that this is a lot more complicated than it's made out to be in um, say when we were seven in Sunday school. And I, in my short experience, I've noticed that many Christians carry with them the understanding of scripture based on those very simple readings, um, simple understandings from childhood. Um, and I think it's good for us to um, look at these in a more critical way with a more um, adult mind, if you will, and ask these questions, um, you know, so the light was created and there was light and there was darkness. But again, it's not until the fourth day that we as people have the created things made that we understand as light and light producing. Uh, and I don't think there's going to ever be any you know, here is the answer, but I think it's important for us to um, use the the cognitive gears and, and let them turn and stick some oil on those things and, and think critically about these. Uh, so as we continue in verse six, it says, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separate the, separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome sky, and it was evening and morning the second day. And it's important to notice here, I think oftentimes because of readings like Moses uh, or from stories uh, that Moses was involved with and Elijah, uh, 
oftentimes when we hear that the waters were parted, we immediately jump to thinking that the water was parted left to right. And in this one, we have to be willing to think differently. The waters were parted top and bottom. So the waters that are up in the sky above us, it comes down, we can understand in the form of rain uh, and the waters that are below. So the, um, the oceans, the seas, when we dig a well, we understand, hey, somewhere down below us, there is water. So when these waters are parted, don't think left to right, like the, the parting of the Red Sea, think top and bottom, up and down, um, above and below. And that's important because as you get into the next piece, says God's, God let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. God called the dry land earth and the waters were gathered together into seas. God saw that it was good. God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plant yielding seeds, fruit trees and every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plant yielding seed of every kind and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. God saw that it was good. There was evening, there was morning the third day. And um, this is another one of those places where we have to think critically about what the text is saying. Um, the waters are separated, the dry land appears. The dry land is populated with vegetation. And it's here that I wanna draw people's attention to because God calls the dry land earth, God saw that it was good, and then speaks and says, let the earth put forth vegetation. And I think that is very, a, a very different understanding than how we think creation happens from, again, our early days in Sunday school. Uh, and I, I want to I want to pull that out and see what y'all have to say about what do you think it means that God spoke to the earth and the earth brought forth vegetation. You're asking a question uh, more, more, sorry, excuse me. Is there more to your question than just what you just said? No, that's about it right now. Okay. Well, that was good. Um, I, I think we talked about this a little bit in the first podcast that you know, perhaps, and be very, very careful here, that creation, um, it's a process, a uh, continual process, and we are included in that, and as well, the earth, as you say, brings forth vegetation. God spoke uh, to his creation, or God spoke to creation, uh, to bring forth, uh, you know, the vegetation, uh, God speaks to us to bring forth, uh, maybe it be the light, maybe it just be good gifts into the world. And it's, you know, we are, I think, partly responsible as created people, as created things, uh, to, to bring forth good gifts into this world. And I think that is, if we can say God desires something, if that's a possible thing to do, 
that God desires for creation to take part in this wonderful kind of mystery of life that we exist, but um, yes, to enjoy it, but also to, to be obedient to it, to be called to a sense of responsibility that we can partake in bringing forth good things. And God has asked us to do that from the kind of the very beginning of the separation of all this chaos um, and uh, some sort of kind of chronological structure, I suppose. Um, but that eventually creation gets its chance to create. Um, I hope that makes sense. That was kind of a ramble. I love that. I love the I love the image of um, God no, just not initiating the things, but inviting us to be co-creators with God. Yeah. Um, and and to do so in in the same vein as which God created to create things that are good, um, and not just create as in like a piece of art or stuff like that, but creating and spreading love, creating and spreading um, healthy relationships, stuff like that. Well, and I think the be fruitful and multiply language, um, and rightly so, often gets uh, interpreted as bringing forth uh, children into the world, uh, with, or, you know, trees bring about more trees and humans bring about more humans. And um, But I, I think it can also maybe be interpreted wider than that be fruitful and multiply multiply god's creation so grow a garden you know multiply that creation was made out of love it was made out of that divine creative spirit and we are invited to multiply that divine creative spirit um through all that we do yeah and i agree and i think part of that is caring and just for a lack of better term to really see our responsibility to care for the beauty of this world uh, whether we understand all of it or not mm -hmm. uh, whether we understand all our you know our brothers and sisters are we I mean there's just such a beautiful thing that has happened for creation that we are a life drifting in this universe uh, and that we have this greatest opportunity to love and cherish this life and this creation. And, you know, what, what greater opportunity do we have than to love this world? I don't Well, and I think, too, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. I got swept up in what you were saying, Stephen, and I lost what I was going to say. Uh, well, that, look, that doesn't happen very often, so thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, I really don't know where it went. So we can, we can keep moving. Sure. Um, I, I think it's important to pull that out, that God speaks to the created earth. Uh, conversation and speaking to something implies relationship, right? Yeah. You don't just speak to a wall. I mean, there are, I, I talk to anything, but <laughs> That's you know, true. you speak to a wall, the wall's not going to do anything. Um, it's not alive. It, it's not living. It's not breathing. Um, but the earth here, there, there's this 
implication that if God is speaking to it, there's conversation. It it's a living, it, it's also alive, um, mm-hmm. and it's able to do things. And and God is sharing God's creative spirit with the earth itself, uh, and it's the earth, according to Genesis one that brings forth the trees, that brings forth the bushes, that brings forth the grasses and the trees and all these seeds uh, and begins this um, world that we know it. And I think if we look, look at the scripture through this lens and look at the earth through the lens of, of a living thing that we as people, out of respect for scripture, if anything, we'll begin to see the earth as something more than just a rock floating in space. Uh, That's something that is alive. That's something that uh, also needs to be cared for, like you're saying and and you're getting at. Uh, And then that there's more to it than, um, it's not something that's simply placed there to take advantage of or to take from, but to care with and to create with uh, and hopefully in that we can begin to see the earth in a different lens uh, and have some better respect for it. Yeah, I think, Paul, oh, and when you, when you say when you, that God is in relationship with the earth, um, you know, we'll get to Cain and Abel in a little bit. At some point we'll get to Cain and Abel and Kind of the betrayal of brother and sister but if the earth is this living thing um that we don't treat maybe not in the way we would treat a brother or sister but a living thing that god is in relationship with uh you know it is i guess sins against the earth sins against something that god loves that god intentionally created to be as life-giving as you know we think we are as human beings <laughs> and the rulers of this domain, so to say. So I think what you're saying is beautiful. Or what scripture says is beautiful, if that's the right way. Um, yeah, I'm just lifting up what's there, you know. I didn't I didn't write this. So um, as we continue on, we now have the seas, we have the waters, we have the dry land, the earth has brought forth vegetation, and uh that was the end of the third day. We're now getting to the beginning of the fourth day in verse 14, when God says, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs and for seasons, for days and years. Let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, and all of the stars. God sent them in the dome of the sky, set them in the dome of the sky, to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. God saw that it was good. There was evening, there was morning, the fourth day. And this gets back to what I opened up with in that question, you know, and we said the um, there was light and there was darkness, but we as human beings up until that point, don't, we don't have anything that we understand light through. Nothing of that sort has been created. And then you get vegetation 
And now you get what we understand to be the sun and the moon, which I think is a really interesting um, process uh, because of modern science. And we, uh, we can understand photosynthesis and these, uh, this energy from the sun gets absorbed into the light and the chlorophyll and all of this process to make energy. Um, according to Genesis 1, the plants came first and then the light. So that's an interesting, uh, you know, um, hmm. an interesting observation that we can glean from Scripture. Uh, were they sustained first by God, God's self, in the in the presence of God, and then God said, "Wow, this is a lot of work. I, I need to, you know, outsource some of this. So let's create the the suns and the moon." Um, I, these are just as a gardener. Um, and one who spends a lot of time outside. These are the kind of questions that I come up with when I think about Genesis. Um, so what is your answer? I'm still working on it. I, I remember what I was going to say, and it relates to what you're talking about, Paul. I'm very excited. You said science, and then it popped back into my head. So thank you for that. Um, I think often there, there are folks who think that somehow understanding scientifically what happens in our world is um, antithetical to understanding scripture, um, that we can't believe things about evolution or Big Bang or, um, and still, and believe the biblical story at the same time. Um, I think that simply by being called as co-creators that the more that we understand about creation I, I think there is something sacred and holy about pursuing that knowledge and pursuing understanding about how God's creation works um, and I, I don't see any in, incompatibility because you know for us this is not a literal factual historical retelling of the story um, or not retelling but telling of the story. This is um, folks' at attempts to understand how God creates, how God interacts with the creation, um, what is the nature of God, how did we get here, you know, all of those huge existential questions that folks have been asking from the beginning of time. This is people's attempt to answer some of those questions, um, but it was never written to be a science textbook that, you know, like you're saying, Paul, that explains photosynthesis. Um, and when we get to Genesis two, we'll see that creation actually happens in a different order in the second creation story. Things don't happen on the same days. Um, and so maybe the, the question isn't, how do the plants survive when the, the sun and the stars and the moon weren't there yet? But what what kind of meaning does it have that one of the first things that gets created is, is plants and the natural world that's around us. And what does that mean in our relationship to that? Um, and, and I do think part of our co-creation is, is understanding how life comes to be. I mean, I, I just had a baby through IVF um, and it, it, it just astounds me that for months, 
my little baby boy that is now laughing and cooing and interacting with me was like this a couple of cells frozen in a petri dish um just waiting there like the the modern science is just astounding and i think that um you know that participating in that is also part of being co-creators now that said I think there are some limits to that uh, and that gets into all kinds of ethics, moral and ethical questions around science and experimentation and how far do we go, but that's probably not a topic for today's podcast. <laughs> that might be a little much to dive into. And, and what I wanted to hope to bring up, um, and you touched on it there, Megan, this idea, and it wasn't until the 70s that um, this understanding came about that you're either you're either into science or you're into church, right? Like that there was this parting of ways that took place in the 70s. But prior to that, church and science worked together throughout the history of human beings. Well, kind of. well, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, sometimes scientists got killed by the church. So true. Um was it the Pope got mad at Galileo? As he said, the sun was the center of the universe. Right. Going back to, if I'm smarter than a fifth grader, I think here. But right. that's right. Um, and and there were those those occurrences, and we're going back through one of those. Um, but what I'm going to point out is that, you know, right here in Genesis one, it opens the door for church and science to be able to have a conversation. Uh, if, if our very own scripture says that the earth brought forth vegetation, what does that look like? How do we understand that? And it, as we go through, I'll kind of paraphrase uh, the next two days, uh, because for the fifth day, God speaks to the water, you know, let the the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, the birds, the fish, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and that uh, the scripture reads, "The waters brought this forth." Um, God saw that it was good and blessed them, saying, "Be fruitful and multiply." Uh, and then it continues, "Let the earth bring forth living creatures of all kind, the cattle, creeping things, wild animals." And it was so, um, and it was good. And so what does it mean that God speaks to the earth? God speaks to the waters. God again speaks to the earth and the waters and the earth bring forth this life that God looks upon and says is good. I think that opens up the conversation that we can speak with scientists and we can speak with Christians because our scripture uh, allows that. Um, Science is good to our lives our Christian lives, um, if uh, the, obviously there's ethics to what we can do. Uh, we don't wanna do anything that defames or reduces the dignity of creation with science, but a vaccine that can help cure this disease that's been running wild, it's okay. a good thing. Um, I wanna kind of, I'm going to hijack this from you for a second, Paul, because sure. one of the things that I always 
am still puzzled by is that everything is called good except on day two. And that's what separates the waters of heaven from the earth. And what does that mean? Because this isn't a science textbook. It's a kind of a theological story, people trying to understand creation. What does it mean that the dome that separates us, the sky, is not good? Or is not called good, I should say. Hmm. I have I've never noticed that before. Never in all of my reading of the story. I had to go back and check because I didn't believe you. No. <laughs> no offense. No, that's okay. Um, but I thought God called every day, everything on every day good. And no, there. Uh, he does say everything. He called it all good at the end. Yeah, at the end. little blanket statement there. But yeah. Hmm. yeah. I think, too, since we're talking about the goodness of creation and you mentioned the vaccine, maybe we put in a little plug here to encourage people to go get the vaccine um, if you are medically able to get it, because um, county is uh, <laughs> our vaccination rates are are very low. And um, I know more and more people coming down with with COVID. And I think um, as as clergy. I think we can safely say that um, there is nothing that goes against God creation and getting a vaccine. Um, obviously, cer- certain folks for medical reasons uh, will not be able to, to have one for whatever reason, but. Um, I, uh, I've been telling people that, uh, you know, Luke was a physician uh, and, you know, we read his gospel to find God, find Jesus. So go speak to your physician about the vaccine. Don't speak to social media or your favorite television network or whatever. Yeah. Go talk to your physician. Um, and, you know, there, there's a lot of science that is good and probably right. And I won't go so far as to say ordained by God, but I think uh, people who live during I the bubonic, bubonic plague would have gift yeah people during the bubonic plague would have jumped for joy for a vaccine so um i think we should be very grateful that we live in a time where science is so advanced almost to the point that it seems something that maybe only god could perform Mm -hmm. a child being grown in ivf um Mm -hmm. The ability to actually, you know, we went to Disney uh, a couple of weeks ago and we were going through the Epcot ride. Um, I forgot the name of the ride. Um, anyways, we're on this boat and we're going through all these different ways to grow vegetation. And they have this, um, this example of a farm that has grown on top of a, a fish uh, farm. And so the fish feed the plants and the plants feed the fish. And it's this perfect kind of circle of life. And, you know, imagine what ancient peoples would have done with this ability that we have now. Um, Which is why I kind of always, you know, I think somebody mentioned uh, you either believe in God or you believe in science, Um, you know, and that's, not a good take in my opinion, but I think also people say, look, 
the ancient people, they were so wayward and were so advanced in our thought. But when we don't use these gifts that we have to better our world, then, you know, are we any less or more perfect? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, then, sorry, that was a dry note. You're um, good. The, because the flip side of that, it reminds me of a conversation um, with our physician. And uh, we were we were talking about this idea of, you know, well, Christianity or science, you know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. We can have both and, and exist. And we should and, have both. Um, and uh, she shared with me a conversation uh, with a gentleman who was of this mindset, you know, like, I don't I don't believe in all this science. Um, I have God. And her reply to him was, Okay, well, you know, based on your blood work, uh, you're pretty close to a heart attack. Uh, so when that happens, we will not intervene with any science. We will not restart your heart. We will not go in and put a stent and you will die. Um, so, you know, that, and she was very blunt in her response. You know, science doesn't have to be one or the other. Uh, science can save your life. Um, so that's the, the slippery slope that we get into. Um, if, if we're going to pick one over the other, um, if you want to choose, uh, I'm a Christian and no science, that's fine. But if something ever happens, you know, don't call the ambulance because guess what? That's science, that's, um, innovation, that's technology, um, and, and when you put it that way, I, hopefully people will wake up a little bit here. Um, there, there's no reason God can't work, and God does, in my opinion, and my understanding. God works through uh, first responders. God works through nurses. God works through doctors. God works through scientists. Um, so we, we don't have to let ourselves become so polarized over such. And God works through the earth, which provides all of that for us. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a good place um, to stop because, you know, so far we've been talking about the earth, the waters, the creeping things. Um, the next day is when human beings are created and that's when things really get interesting. And, um, I, I think that'll be a good place to pick up next time. Uh, so hopefully our conversation today uh, has helped you see scripture in a new way, uh, make you think a little more openly uh, compared to what modern society says. Uh, and if y'all, uh, when I say y'all, those of you tuning in and listening. If you ever have questions over any of this, please reach out to some of us or reach out to all of us or reach out to one of us and, and share those thoughts, share those questions. This isn't always easy. Uh, Jesus never said following him would be easy, but uh, I think these are the conversations we're called to have and called to struggle with um, in order to have betterment um, of our of our own selves our own minds but also of our own communities so thanks everyone for tuning in um god bless and we'll catch y'all next time <laughs>